Hey, friends, welcome to Talk With Me. I am excited to be doing some recording again in this strange time of the world. And as I say before, I, I adored my tech partner, Daniel Smith, who has not been able to do this, um, had wonderful changes in his life, so for good reasons. And so now my tech partners are Zoom and my Mac laptop. Pretty simple, works well, I'm happy. I'm in Lawrence, Kansas. I get to sit at my dining room table, take a break from my social work and do some cool things with artists across all kinds of places, not just the United States, but I think about dear friends in Sweden and Mexico and Canada and other places, Australia, who've been part of the show and, and the people like them, if there is such a thing as like them, and others will be joining as I get to do more recording again. And today is one of those times when I get to record and as it works in the best of times, it's this connection thing, just the way it's supposed to happen. Back in the day, I connected with uh, John Yamras, who's a poet, a very prolific poet and dog lover in Pennsylvania. And one of the people who John introduced me to is Eileen Murphy, known as Mish. Mish is an incredible writer, poet, painter. And Mish said, hey, I know somebody you need to talk with. And so I'm delighted that today I get to talk with somebody, um, not primarily a poet, a musician, although there's a lot of poetry in everything, right? Music, any kind of art. Um, and so I welcome Derek Mention. Hey, hey, Derek. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to do this. This is, this is like, okay, we get to know each other and that whatever we think is important, we get to talk about because that means <laughs> it's going to be interesting to the people that are listening. That I, right. I, love, right. I, I listen to certain podcasts and that's, I, I just like to see what happens, you know? Right so on, right on. I let you do a little bit of intro. What, what would you like listeners to know? If they don't recognize your name already, what, what would you like them to know a little bit about you, background, before we just start talking about stuff? Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, I guess the easiest way to, to do that is to say, I'm, you know, I'm, at, at my foundation, I guess I'm a cellist. I'm a concert cellist, and uh, I am a professor currently, small school in Central Florida, where I'm from. I'm back home right now in Winter Haven, Florida, Polk County, between Tampa and Orlando. And... Uh, you know, of late, uh, my newest incarnation uh, is as a uh, recording artist. I mean, I guess it's not all that cool. new, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm a recording artist. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm releasing my second uh, studio album in just a few months, and uh, I'm more known these days as a bassist. And I would oh. say, oddly enough, yeah, I would say oddly enough, but I I've been playing bass for nearly as long as I've played the cello. I just, oh. for marketing purposes during my career, I didn't let that out of the bag because when you, when you kind of sh show that you're a jack of all trades, the, the, the judgment is you're master of none, right? Uh, so I kind of yeah. kept that under my hat for a while, but now there's no <laughs> need for that. A closet <laughs> so, yeah. cellist, I mean a closet bassist, a big closet, yeah. So yeah, so, so yeah, that, that's, that gets us started at least. Yeah, okay. And I forgot to mention just the date to give some context. This is August 20th, is that? 19th, it's Wednesday, August 19th of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so your, your next album is coming out sometime in the fall and um, yeah, so? I would. You know what? I was thinking about this. I, I hope so because I don't want it to be. I, I, I don't want it to be after the election because either we're all going to. Well, you know what? I don't even want. You know what I mean? I, I think I better have it right. before while people are kind of sane because things are going to get a little nuts afterwards. <laughs> I just happened to think about that last okay. night. Okay, October twenty twenty. Um, look for this album. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because if I do the, you know, what am I going to say? The beginning of August? I mean, I mean, excuse me, the beginning of November. It would be November 3rd, and after it wouldn't matter any time after that. So I better try to point this baby out before right. uh, November. All right. Do you know what the title will be? It's called The Incredible. Oh. Yeah, it's called The Incredible. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's, uh, it's, uh, so my first album is called um, The Griot Swings the Classics. Yeah. And its sort of unofficial name is 
snapshots in black and we can uh -huh. probably talk about that if you want yeah. but so this is sort of the second insta installment nice. of the snapshots in black and uh, i'm really excited about it really excited okay. yeah i have to say that that when you say bass and cello it makes me smile a lot i have a son okay. who ended up becoming a guitarist but when it was mm -hmm. the first chance in school for him to do uh music he said, Mom, I want to play the bass, the stand-up bass. Mm -hmm. And I said, mm -hmm. that's fabulous, except it won't fit in my car. In any so, <laughs> so he actually started with cello, which okay. for him was this whole introduction to the world of strings in a beautiful way. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. cello and guitar and banjo, and it's like right on. Yeah. And so it makes me yeah, right. So how how yeah. did you start with your instruments? Sort of the same, right? So I've been I'm in third grade. I'm eight years old. I believe that's how it goes. And uh, some people came to my elementary school and demonstrated the the, the string instruments. Uh -huh. And I just naturally gravitated to the lowest pitched ones. You know, my, my I I think I liked the the aesthetic presence of the bass. Uh -huh. uh, and so I went for that and they said, sure, we'll hook you up with the bass. And they straightway discovered that my chopper, my hand was too small to easily navigate all the, you know, the extensions in the, in the, in the left hand work I needed to do. So they said, why don't we put you on cello? Which when I think back on it is odd because <sighs> put the person on what they want. I mean, I don't have anything against it. I love the career uh -huh. I had. But it's like, you know, okay, so my hand's small. It's got a small freaking base. I mean, what do you, you know, uh -huh, it's like, uh -huh. saying, I'd like, I'd like to paint. Yeah, well, you know what? Why don't we go to the softball field? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> now that I think back on it. But anyway, yeah, so they started me on the cello. Uh -huh. And what I began doing, I'll never forget, one of my first transcriptions was of a Count Basie tune on the cello which I wanted to play on bass, you see, but since I couldn't do it, I did it on cello. So, 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 yeah, I started out with, 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 with the cello. And then I think a few years after that, I borrowed that same guy that, who came and introduced me to the strings. I borrowed his bass for a summer and I taught myself all these bass solos from like old Duke Ellington tunes and Coleman cool. Hawkins tunes from albums that my parents had. So bass and cello have been going neck and neck side by side all of my life and my career but i just decided to to to, to go whole whole hog about it recently because i really couldn't hold it back i was doing a lot of work with my recording uh -huh. and you know so and people a lot of people didn't even know i knew anything about jazz because like i'm, uh -huh. I'm this concert cellist who's always lecturing and playing stuff by beethoven and berlioz and all this sort of stuff uh uh in in, in ensembles but um I would invite in, uh, my friends, uh, these incredible musicians, to a chamber music season I have at my college. And they would be like, you know, we never knew that Minchin knew anything about jazz. And they find out I'm a bass player. So like, <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag. You know what I mean? So that, that's how I kind of started off. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned the albums that were in your family's home. So I'm thinking yeah. you came from a family with a lot of music being heard, being played. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So my dad and my late father was in a glee club when he was in college oh. uh he I, I think he wanted to play the violin but my dad was born in 1929 so <laughs> a, a, a black guy in 19 i don't know 37 or something or 1940 being you know having a good time with, with the violin career is not really going to be you know uh, uh supported or encouraged uh in the because he was born in my hometown as well so that wasn't going to go over too well so he, he, he perished the thought of being a violinist and actually, as he went through school, ended up being pre-med and then ended up being an uh, 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 educational assistant. But yeah, he, he had a great voice. My mother, who's still with me, she's in the other room actually, she's in her 91st year, great soprano, uh, the cool. organist in the church I used to go to when I went to church and her mother was the pianist there, right? My my aunt, my mom's uh, uh, best friend, could carry a tune. My brother was into uh, drama, and he can sing. So yeah, I come from a musical family. Uh -huh. I'm the one who like the whole thing fell on. I'm the one who turned it to a professional life. But uh -huh. everyone in my family is musical to some degree. Nice. Yes. And 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 I came up listening to Sarah Vaughan, Ray Charles, Basie, but also Brahms, Beethoven, and Mozart. So there is this interesting melange and cross-pollination of different idioms and genres of music. 
So I grew up not being able to tell the difference between them. It's very interesting that, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> so music goes way back in your family. That's, that's. Yeah, ever since yeah. I can remember. Yeah. 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 So when you were thinking and, and moving towards this becoming something that you would have as a big part of your life, yeah. what was your family thinking about that? Luckily, my folks encouraged any endeavor that was well thought out that I that I started out. Nice. So 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 I'm also a visual artist. And wow. so I've been yeah, I've been an essayist and a visual artist and a musician literally all my life since I was about three or four. Wow. So uh, the, I, I, I remember, I remember in uh, uh, the, the, the encyclopedias when I was at my old house where I was born, um, discovering the paintings of Michelangelo and Leonardo. And I can remember like it was yesterday. I think I must have been four. And wow. I was blown away by the breadth of Michelangelo's presentation and uh and just by the the uh various and disparate things that leonardo would paint and i was i was i was speechless and i said something to my parents like i want to create like that and they said so do it great so, you know so so i ended up winning art contests and stuff like my dad invested in my art supplies they bought me all sorts of instruments because i showed musical ability from an early age they had a piano in the house already because my mom of course was a pianist and organist so I'd play these ditties, I'd sing, and they, they encourage everything. I was the happiest little kid. Ended up being this wild, crazy dude, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was a happy-go-lucky child. <laughs> okay, so where were you in the order of your siblings? Who, who's, you know, like, who's right. oldest, who's youngest? I have one brother who is 11 years older than I am. Uh -huh. so, but, but, but born three days before me. So my parents planned it that way. They wanted to have someone <laughs> to look up to. <laughs> They wanted us to be, they wanted us to have the very same birthday, but I mean, you know, biology being what it is, you can't be that exact, you know? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My brother's a great guy. He's one of the smartest people I've ever known. Uh, it, it just, he's just great. He's, he's, he's this non-judgmental, you know, come see, come saw type cat that everything's groovy. Great guy, just with, but with a runaway into, uh, intellect. He's amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. I was I was thinking about how your dad didn't really have the opportunity to pursue music like he wanted to. No. So just no. at that time, no. that just wasn't going to be what he could yeah. do. And he never talked about that. But history being what it is, I kind of when I learned, I figured, you know what I'm saying? Back in the day, you could be a teacher, a lawyer or a medical doctor. I, you know, my dad mm -hmm. was friends with all people from all stripes. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, you know, well, I, I think I already said it. The, the chances of your being a teacher were very high. If you were an educated person and an African-American in my neck of the woods back then, you're probably gonna be a teacher. Mm -hmm. it, wasn't a, it wasn't what you necessarily wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place you can, a shoot you can go into that, uh -huh. that, that, where needs of others get served and you can use some of your talents. But uh -huh. ultimately, he, after wanting to be a musician, remember he wanted to be pre-med. Mm -hmm. The only reason that ended is because he started a family. They're like, well, I got to make money now. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a time out for just me. And, you know, he uh, stopped short of getting his doctorate in, in the philosophy of education. But he also was a, was a stunningly brilliant guy, right? Uh -huh. Hell of a lot more serious than I am. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> absurd and ridiculous, but he was a great intellect, great man. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, but he definitely could not pursue the dreams and the, and the, the pursuit of idealism that he had, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm drawn to like this time that we live in and thinking yeah. you, you're, you were raised with a lot of hope and possibility and support, yes. Yes. yet the world doesn't say, oh, cool, this black man can do whatever he wants. So no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Let me let you continue. I'm no, I don't, I don't. I can just leave it hanging there and let you go um, where you want to. Uh, yeah, that's true, right? But for me, and I probably have never said this out loud to anyone, but I'm always somewhat okay because as you can tell from the way I came up, I've always lived in my own little bubble. I've always lived in my own little world. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
my house, you know, I've got a beautiful new house that, that I got about three years ago and I have it set up to my uh, specifications. And, I, you know, I've got six bookshelves where I can go read about anything from Leonardo to Sarko to, to, to Plato to, to Nietzsche to Wittgenstein. I've got my studio here with every instrument I need where if I wake up and I'm inspired, I come in here and make music, right? Wonderful. I've got my drawing table. So, I mean, I'm able to feed all of my passions such that I'm sort of insulated from this desiccated, corrosive reality that is postmodern America, mm-hmm. uh, including the... Mm, the deleterious effects it has on persons of color. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, the present reality is so pernicious that there is no place I can go anywhere where I can escape it. I've mm-hmm. never lived through a time as venomous as now. Mm-hmm. Never. I, 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 you know, and I am the ultimate idealist. I, I always think I can do X, Y, and Z, and if I can do it, so can you. I still believe that, but. If I were to liken that unto a person being a rocket flying towards their goal, per asper ad astra, towards the stars, the cloud cover you've got to get beyond to get there is nothing but uh, 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 storm clouds, you know, mm-hmm. with dangerous lightning and hail and all of that. And that's, you know, I know what it is. It's the government. It's the people that support certain ideologies that I think are rancid from the government. All of that, right? The, 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 it's 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 horrible. I I think of Nietzsche. No artist ever tolerates reality. <laughs> That's one of my mantras. Mm. And of course, Nietzsche also has this idea that uh, you know there are no facts, only interpretations. Well, he's playing a game. He knows there are facts. He just realizes that once you try to describe them, they're no longer the facts. So you know, Nietzsche also knows you've got to you've got to handle reality. He was just making this catchy soundbite. So even though I'm in my own world and I am able to succeed and, and I do succeed, it takes a little bit more brain power now to shield myself, as Hunter Thompson used to say, against that which is ugly, right? It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard now. And I hope to God it changes soon. And it will change, maybe not as soon as we want, but it, you know, it's, it's pretty rough now. It's pretty it's, rough. Yeah. Well, and, and as a white person who feels embarrassed to not have realized how bad it was before this person was elected in 2016. Um, I, you know, I I have that sense of there's a lot of work that a lot of us need to do. And I say us white people need to do. And, and I, I thought I knew, I thought I knew more about the world than I, than I obviously did before 2016. And so, yeah. Both learning and doing are really, really important. <laughs> while and while that is all true, it, I, I I have to think people have been around a long time. The world's been around a long time. There have been horrible times before. There was the bubonic plague. There were horrible popes. There were rulers of 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 um, of uh, 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 the Roman Empire. So things have been bad, right? Things have been bad, but I just have to remember that. Like, I don't like to get so bogged down in our present time to think that woe is us, this is the only time the world has been bad. But even on par, I think that in many ways, what's happening now is comparable to all those things I just mentioned. Yeah. And that's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. shocking. Yeah. You, you, we're talking about being under no less than a dictator or some sort of fascist regime. And so that's horrible. And of course, you know, there's those of us, look, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm from an upper middle class family. So I, I, I'm a professor. I find ways to make it, you know, uh, some of my colleagues who aren't professors that are musicians now that we're living in COVID are scraping and, you know, scratching trying to make ends meet. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty privileged, but I, you know, I, I can't escape the skin I'm in, right? right? And so the world to me, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm Taoist enough to think that evil and good exist in the same space, but holy crap, the season of evil is pretty extens- extended, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And to me, then we can take that to, that is exactly why art is so important in this time. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, I love the, I love the little phrase that, that art comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, that's brilliant. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant, Maxim. Yeah. Mm. And, and I know that this is a time when it's very difficult for artists who previously were able to prime, to do at least a significant part of their financial support through their art. Yeah. That's it's yeah. much less likely now. So it's, it's a hard time. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that, that I'm somewhat involved with is this national organization called the, it's called the U S department of arts and culture. And it's mm -hmm. a, uh, as they say, it's a people's movement of artists. And I, and mm -hmm. I mention it a lot because it's a great, it's a great bringing together of artists who are committed to social justice, who mm. are all across the United States. And there are tool cut kits that USDAC kind of promotes to sort of bring together issues like uh, recognizing and honoring that we're on native land and, and right. lots right. of different special things like that. And, and they sure. do a People's State of the Union poetic address each year <laughs> that okay. is created from story circles that happen across the country. And then right. this set of poets puts together pieces from those conversations into this right. People's State of the Union. You know, there's, there's right all on. this stuff. And, and, and to me, I guess it just gets back to, here I am, I'm the social worker. I, yeah. I work very largely in things related to suicide, which okay. to me means helping people be able to live lives that they want to live. That's, yeah. that's the, the way to me, which also means I've got to be involved with community change. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm the person I, and like you, you refer to yourself as idealistic. I'm, I'm that person who says, I really mean love is the answer. It really is oh, the yeah. answer. When we treat sure. everybody with love and respect and everybody right. has opportunity, that's great. And, and then the other things kind of fall away, you know, and art. Yes. I want, so I want to, I want to hear about you and your art and right. Whether you want to say, I mean, obviously there's been an evolution in the time from yeah. when you were three and first got interested <laughs> to now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, te I'm technically a little bit more advanced, I guess, right? <laughs> so, <what laughs> you know, man, <laughs> where do I, so I guess, because I hate that I could be so long-winded. So let me, so I, I'm a visual artist, I'm an essayist, and I'm a musician, and then I play a bunch of different musical instruments. So a multi-instrumentalist, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, when I say that I was showing an aptitude from an early age, I thought that everyone could listen to a commercial on TV and then go to their instrument of choice and play it back. Wow. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought everyone could do that because it was so easy to me. Uh -huh. I did not learn until I was in 10th grade that I had perfect pitch. I didn't, you know, I don't know. I'll never know if my parents just didn't know what it was or if it was part of a bigger scheme, which I know they were, they didn't, they did not let me know I was a prodigy. They didn't tell me this. Uh -huh. They were just like, yeah, Derek, here's some pencils for you. Hey, oh, you want to paint? Here's some paint brushes. Okay. Oh, they just encourage everything. But I can see now the reason that they're like, Oh my God, he excels at everything. Let's see. And so my point is, I had to decide once I got into, uh, I guess it was, this was early in, in high school, not, not middle school. But I think it was probably in 10th grade or maybe ninth when I decided I'm going to have to decide which one of these things I want to get officially trained in and let all the other stuff be fun. And I decided cello was going to be my thing, you know? And so my parents were like, all right, we, we, we're, we're cool with that. Uh -huh. So they bought me all these books with, you know, the greatest cellist, Yano Starker, Gross Trepovich, all these, all these cats um, that were the greatest. And I ended up meeting all of them, right? Um, so, you know, I, I decided to go that way. But I, my, my visual arts and my writing always were a part of who I, who I was and who I am. Uh -huh. So um, during my career, I've done concerts where there was a, there was a, a cellist, I think, from the Atlanta Symphony who did a transcription of pictures at an exhibition of Mussorgsky. 
And I played this, and then for my reception was an exhibition of my pictures. Awesome. So I've done some stuff like that. I've uh-huh. done concerts where I had this all Italian concert where I would draw the composers and I'd lecture on them and I'd play. So it's fun to, to sort of be able to, to be that sort of polymath in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I remember when I was a kid, this is, my father was interestingly prophetic. You know, I think I said to him at an early age, what, 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 what does a guy do who could play a bunch of different instruments and who could draw and who could write? He goes, mm, teach the humanities. And I didn't think anything of it. And I ended up becoming a humanities teacher in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because of what else am I going to do? You know, I mean, paint, paint, paint something like the Sistine Chapel that, that uh-huh. happens once every, every time the universe is born. So, um, right. So I, I got highly trained in the cello, like, you know, made friends with some of the greatest musicians ever. And, uh, but I retained all of these other interests. And so I remember, what is it, 2002, five years ago, I decided, let me just draw a caricature. I haven't done that in so long. And I took, I bought, I bought a pad, bought some pencils, and I did Beethoven. And you would think that I had been drawing consistently from the time I was four until then. It had, my, my style had grown. I, could, I was seeing into things more deeply. But I hadn't done anything technically. Uh-huh. So, uh, so the next phase was for me to bring the bass out of, you know, raps uh-huh. and sort of go into the recording world because I, you know, I've been a part of every type of ensemble you can have. I've been a member of a successful piano trio, an honors quartet when I was in undergraduate school. Uh, I've been solo cellist of a lot of orchestras. You know, I've been... Uh, you know, a, a, a section member and others. And it came to the point where I'm like, you know, I love Beethoven. What am I, I mean, I have a, an official life mask here in my house of Beethoven. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love Beethoven. I, I, I've played that stuff for so long, but there came a point, because I was working on a DMA in, in cello at one point, and I just decided being a scholar in music is just not where it is for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 it, and it, but what it did is it put me up close and personal in many ways with the Eurocentric tradition in classical music, quote unquote classical. And over a span of time, I'm like, man, I I just I need a little break, <laughs> I need a little break. I mean, I've been playing bass so much since I was 13. You know, I discovered Paganini when I was in ninth grade. And I, I I love his music, but after a while, it's the same names. Uh-huh. And so my mind goes, Derek, you can go back to Sarah Vaughan and Della Reese and Brooke Benton and Ray Charles. That's a whole rich tributary of stuff you can get into. And so I just, I allowed myself to do this against the protestations of some of my uh, supervisors and administrators when I was in the DMA program. They're like, you know, Derek, no one has ever been a jazz, a successful jazz and classical cellist. I'm like, why does there have to be a, comp- why don't I just let myself be who I want to be? Why yes. does there have to be any script for me? You know? Yes. And I learned then, while I was in my DMA program, this amazing quote by a guy named, uh, I think it was Nikolai Yevtuchinkov, or Yevgeny, one of the, and he says, I will pursue my career by not pursuing it. Okay. That's my mantra. Uh-huh. I'm like the Joker, I'm like Heath Ledger's Joker from that Batman movie. I'm just a guy who does things. There ain't no plan to what I do. I've got a, set of, I've got a skill set, and I just light it on fire and let it, you know, I ignite it, let it do what it does. And it's always got me somewhere. Uh-huh. Always. It's uh-huh. never, it has never not gotten me somewhere. So yeah. So I, 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 I began to meet these, these big names in the recording world became buddies with them. And eventually one thing led to another. I came up with my first album self-produced. It goes to number two on Amazon shortly out of the gate with no, with really hardly any marketing or anything on my part. Uh, it went to number three recently again in the last several weeks. And I'm just a guy, like I say, I'm just a guy who does things. (laughs) You know, I guess I've amassed some talent here and there, but I just, I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the notoriety. I Uh do it because I can. I do it because that's all I've ever done. I'm a creative. I'm a creator, right? Well, the way I would say it is you do it because it's who you are. I guess so. I just, it's so, (laughs) yeah, I just, because I don't, I mean, I hope that kind of answers your question. I just, I just, if I wake up and I say, you know, man, I want to, because my latest, I need, I want to draw Charles Ives now. I just get the pencils, 
and I draw Charles Ives. And then I frame him and I put it up on Facebook and people are like, how much you selling it for? I'm like, oh, no, baby, it's for my house. I'm not selling this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've retired from, from competing in art contests 35 years ago. I don't, you know, but it's neat to know that my stuff is in demand, that if I couldn't be a professor, I'd have a way to make a living. Mm -hmm. But I literally just do stuff for my own enjoyment and for the enrichment of others. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I do know that I have something at least a few others would be interested in. Mm -hmm. But I literally do things. I guess I would, I would adopt it because it is who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is not to do these things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then the whole PhD pursuit. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a scholar in philosophy and religion. I'm just trying to figure out what this is. Like, you know, you, you get one day you wake, you know, no, no, well, I don't know if it's gnosis, but the beginning of what could be an existential crisis is what am I doing here? Wait a minute. There's air, there's trees, and they seem like they've been there a while. Let me think about how did I get here? Seven days of creation. That sounds a bit truncated <laughs> and a little <laughs> bit shallow. <laughs> That sounds shockingly shallow. I'm not saying it isn't, you know. So <laughs> I, I'm the guy who sits here like, wow, what are humans doing? How, why don't we get along well? And why do foxes get along? And we, I literally think about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So some of us step up to the next realm. Well, there's a perfect place, and that's heaven. And you know, and then you can go into mysticism. You can be in heaven now, but but you, your feet will be in the earth. Okay, that became such a profound set of questions that I decided to take a doctorate in it, and here we are. <laughs> so that long-winded hullabaloo is is me in a nutshell. A huge nutshell. <laughs> and one of the things that's that's really to me astonishing about you is that you didn't particularly need black role models in the things that you're doing, from what you've said. That's very interesting. Uh, so thank you for that's a very good point that I'd like you to hear hear this on. That's true. However, and this has never been said publicly, but I don't mind saying this, this is important. I drew a fellow in third grade that I thought was my alter ego. And he was a Polish guy with blonde hair with the middle part. And his name was Nicholas Belaski with two A, B-A-L-A-A-S-K-I. And I thought that was my alter ego. Why? Well, when you grow up watching Leave it to Beaver and the Jetsons and Bullwick and all this stuff, you don't see anyone like you reflected back. I was already in my teens by the time the Cosby show came out, right? Mm -hmm. Long before. The, so I had no way of knowing who I was. And my parents didn't make a big deal. They didn't say, hey, by the way, you're black. You're going to be hated. And we're in the South. So, you know, they're going to be crosses burned. I didn't hear anything about that. Mm -hmm. The first time I got called a nigger, I came home to my dad in a state and I was crying. And I told him and I, what had happened, and he shook his head and folded his, just sat like I'm doing now. And he goes, yep, I never wanted to tell you about this. I needed you to experience it for yourself. Wow. So like all the rest of us, you can figure out what you're going to do about it. Mm -hmm. okay. the, so he never, I was never raised to be proactively antagonistic towards anyone else. Mm -hmm. But I discovered it. I mean, racism is such a big thing. It doesn't hide, <laughs> you know. But my point is... You're right. I, my dad and my mom were black role models, but they didn't say out loud, we are black role models. Mm -hmm. I was in a segregated community, but they didn't take me on tour saying, this is what a segregated community looks like. Mm -hmm. So I was falling in love with Michelangelo Leonardo mm -hmm. and Sarah Vaughn of Brooklyn. So I was wonderfully egalitarian in the individuals uh -huh. I liked. Uh -huh. I was pretty, I was the UN nation of likes and desires. Uh -huh. But as I got older in the South and found out these cats love that rebel flag, it became an issue, and I'm okay now, but I, I had to learn the damage that can happen if, if, if uh, representation and inclusion is not addressed. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a child, again, they didn't have a lot of, well, I don't, they didn't have any black shows that I can think of, right? Mm -hmm. Again, I was born in 1965, so again, leave it to Beaver. Okay, well, that's what I watched every day. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Of course, unconsciously I knew that wasn't my family, mm -hmm. but I didn't, the, the difference betwixt us was not something that registered with me. So I would also say that because of my upbringing, I don't carry around blackness as a chip on my shoulder, right? 
I, 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 don't, I, I don't like being kowtowed to by people or condescended to as if all I can talk about is how upset I am over George Floyd. We can also talk about whether what the nuance is as far as Aristotle is concerned. There's a whole bunch of things we can talk about, right? Mm -hmm. We don't always have to, I mean, we need to talk about race relations in America and beyond, but I could talk about a great deal of other things. So yeah. Yeah, I just it, want to say, I, I heard Kamala Harris speak to, to that question of when people would say that they wanted her to speak about women's issues and her response would be, I'm really glad you want to speak about healthcare or the economy yeah. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, 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 you know, now I'm well aware of who I am. I'm well aware of how I come across. I can sort of play with that. Mm -hmm. I have a real good time being a postmodern intellectual. There's all sorts of fun meta things I can do that people <laughs> don't know. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. not everyone catches in on. But, but yeah, I'm glad you asked me that because that was something I had to deal with. I I literally must have thought I was a white dude. Yeah, I must have because that was my alter ego. Either that, maybe I knew I was a black guy, but my alter ego is a white. Either way, that's pretty bad. I don't need my alter ego to be a different color. <laughs> <laughs> I need my alter ego to be, you know, simpatico to who I am. <laughs> I've never said that publicly, so yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't lose any friends over it, Derek. Yeah, let's, let's get, watch my Facebook go down to like 10. <laughs> no, I'm fine. It's a very good point. It's, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm working on my memoirs and I tell all, I tell all there. So it's, uh -huh. it was going to come out eventually, but I, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very important point. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the albums that you're putting out in the world because those are obviously sure. a big thing. And, and even the title, like I looked up what griot is because I didn't know yeah. that word. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I discovered that I think at this point in my career, the most important thing I could do that would give me satisfaction and I think be responsible would be to record my interpretation of musical works so that there could be a, a repository of things that are mine, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's my equivalent of Beethoven leaving us his nine symphonies, Brahms leaving us his four, and all the string quartets and all this. My, what, what I, I'm bringing everything I have to bear to the table and I'm putting it in a package that I think represents me the best. That could have been uh, doing a big mural, or that could have been what, writing, you know, my magnum opus, but for me, it was recording music that reflects the way I perceive it. Mm -hmm. And so the Griot Swings the Classics was me taking some atomic age tunes, subjecting them to what I call music. This is my own term. And what that is, in a, in a nutshell, is a bunch of different idioms and genres blended together with no lines of demarcation, such that the orchestrations can be um, anachronistic. They can be not uh, paying attention to the traditions. Like you can have a Baroque uh, uh, piece and have all these romantic slides or different orchestrations. You can take a, a piece written in 1940 and you can put a, a Moog synthesizer in it. That happens in the type of music I do. Okay. It's supposed to be a la eyes, a little tongue in cheek, but it's mostly because this is how I hear stuff. This is how it comes to me. Mm -hmm. I don't edit the stuff. When the muses drop off the packages, I don't sit there and like, you know, if they're pomegranates, <laughs> I don't throw out the seeds. I leave it all there, you dig? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to be, you know, fusty over these gifts. And so uh, I, I decided to do these orchestrations of tunes. And then people didn't know I could sing. And I had initially, initially written this stuff or arranged this stuff for a, a lady friend back in the early or mid 2000s and uh, early 2000s. And, you know, we broke up, so I'm thinking, well, who do I get to sing this? And it's much cheaper to hire myself because I don't have to pay myself <laughs> anything. <laughs> so I decided to sing these tunes, and so there's that album. I, but Grio, because as a professor, I don't so much teach as I tell stories. Uh -huh. You know, I'm, I'm an African, because of my back, I'm an African storyteller, and that's how I kind of wrote the students in. They kind of are interested because if I talk about Plato or whomever, I tell them a story that it's like we're sitting at a bar somewhere and they're just listening to me hold forth. You know what I'm saying? 
So the grill swings the classics. And it's hilarious because a lot of uh, 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 Generation Z's don't get this. Even my album cover is a, not a parody, but it's a commentary on albums from that time. I'm sitting there staring at the camera like this with my hands folded, a la <laughs> Nat and Cole and all those, ah. those, those tacky pictures. It's, it's, it's deliciously tacky, but it, you know, <laughs> other people just thought, oh, what a nice picture of you. I'm like, don't you see the stupid pose I'm in? <laughs> I'm making, I, you know, so <laughs> there's that album. And so, right, it, 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 it is also, the reason it's called Snapshots in Black is because it takes from the American Negro pantheon of traditions of music, right? So you get some, some gospel in there. Mm -hmm. You get, I open the album with Quincy Jones's arrangement of uh, uh, One Mint Julep. Well, actually it's my arrangement, which is inspired by his for Ray Charles. And then I go from that into Fly Me to the Moon, which is Frank Sinatra. But once again, Quincy Jones's arrangement. Mm -hmm. We follow that up with a uh, girl from Ipanema, uh, which I dedicated to a really dear friend of mine. But, uh, uh, it has a talk box break in it, like a la Daft Punk. Wow. It's completely absurd, but it works perfectly. Uh -huh. So yeah, and then I, get, I do Around Midnight and we go from the, the B-side is gospel. So that album's 33 minutes long, right? This follow-up is 57 minutes and some seconds long. It's gigantic. Like, of course, it's not, yes, gigantic, or the door is gigantic. I mean, those uh -huh. guys had, had a little bit more heroin than what I care to have. You know, <laughs> So time sort of just like dilated for them. But compared to, to the Griot, The Incredible is gargantuan. It's got, rather than eight tracks as Griot, it's got 16. And I became a method actor in this, in this album. It's nothing I planned. But by the time I was rounding it up, I had put on the, 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 the musical soul skin suit of Chuck Berry, Nat King Cole, Scott Joplin, uh, who else? Uh, well, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, some <laughs> gospel crooners. There's somebody else I'm leaving out too. But there's so many, like there's so many I can't even remember them. Uh, uh -huh. Lloyd Price. And when I say that, what I mean is, per tune on the album, you get an, uh, a, a, a view of the inside of what their orchestrations sound like, plus mine poured over the top of it. Mm -hmm. So from tune one to tune two, we have a different sound world. Right. The only thing that blends them together is all of these tunes represent uh, a, a set of coordinates from the African-American influenced tradition of music, each one of them. And I, I hadn't planned it when I looked back at it. I was like, wow, that really sounds like Chuck Barrett. Wow, that really. And I'm like, that was me. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful tribute to the people I call them elders, like the, uh -huh. the, the luminaries from the African-American tradition. Uh -huh. But by the time you finish the album, by the time you've gone through that many people, you're going to need to step out and have a toddy and a cigarette and be like, wow, <laughs> I'm spent. <laughs> and you'll be like, dang, that was incredible. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. At least I hope, I hope that's what will be the takeaway. And I know about me, I have manic amounts of energy. Uh -huh. So I played one of the tracks for somebody the other day. And it was just one track. And they were like, wow, I feel the energy. I'm like, Oh, you're barely going to survive the album then. <laughs> if you're already like this, man, you're going to need to get some oxygen. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's what's happened. I'm very excited for this album. Uh, but again, it, it is what I can offer the world now mm -hmm. as the best lens into who I am. Uh -huh. It's not my plan. There's some cello stuff on there. There's some singing on there. Everything I do is there. Everything I do is there. But that's the best way to, because if I did the box suites, where's the humor going to come from? I mean, I guess there's some there, but it's like, wait, it's like the humor of angels. You got to speak Enochian to get that, right? <laughs> oh, yes. I think it's funny to be the angel of the North Northwest. <laughs> Look at my trumpet, Gabriel. I mean, humans can't partake in that type of humor. <laughs> so <laughs> the best way to do it is by taking atomic age and, and some of them are tacky on purpose. Like, okay. I didn't pick these tunes because I wanted people to be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so near tears. Some of them are those torch songs from back, and they're tacky on purpose. So if you feel like, wow, that's really silly, chances are that's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so if, I hope that explains it. That's what, I, I can't wait to have it out because it's, 
it's in a different universe than my first album. And, and my first album did very well. Uh -huh. This is a whole different thing altogether. Can't so wait. is all of the music you like? Is yes. it Okay. I'm playing every so. Yeah. I well, I collaborated with eight wonderful artists, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this you know, I, it, it, it spanned three states, five studios, and eight artists, uh -huh. each incredible in their own right. And I love to collaborate. I I can do it all myself, but mm -hmm. why? Where's the fun in that? Okay. So I love setting. Hey friends, we had a little technology um, joining us or not joining us, and now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was the muses deciding for me not to talk so much about how to do it again. <laughs> so they just shut me up. I stopped. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I collaborated with all these wonderful cats, and um, yeah, it's. Yeah, it, it, I don't mean to be political in any of the stuff I do, or at least not in my music. I don't mean to be overly philosophical, but I'm a human. Be I'm a human being, right? And Aristotle says everything is political, and I have thoughts, I have desires, I have fears, and so there's an underlying. I don't know if there's a story per, per se, but there is a deliberate chronology, and it, and where I take you, I take you on purpose. Uh huh. And the way, the, way, the way it introduces itself to you and the way it takes itself away from you, I designed on purpose. So yeah, as I was saying, I can think of no better way to get a, 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 a thumbprint of my personality to the people who care than this. Uh -huh. Because again, I need to have the humor. I need to have the path. I need to have it all. I need uh -huh. to have it all, right? Uh -huh. um, and, and so, you know, look, you were asking me if I'm playing. Yeah, I, I'm playing all of all of the instrumentation i arranged all the stuff i'm playing it all except for the soloists that are highlighted right okay. so and, and 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 that doesn't always come across because you know if you get my stuff from amazon it doesn't give you the credits you'd have to buy a physical uh cd for me and then you get the credits but yeah i do all the stuff myself okay. yeah, yeah 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 very interesting <laughs> fun stuff yeah fun stuff. So this is this is you at this point in time with this album yeah. that's coming out, yeah. It I can't think of anything else. I as an artist, there's nothing else I have to say that's not on this album. There's it's uh -huh. all there. Like uh -huh. I left I I left everything on it, uh, and it you know it was a bunch of work. You know, for me, I have a wonderful engineer, James Hoover of Hoover Sound Studios in, in Houston, Grammy winning guy. My master, uh, the guy who does my master's, John Moran, who's with Talking Heads, B.B. King, Frank Zappa, Barbara Streisand, Placido Domingo, the Houston Symphony. He's worked with everybody who's anybody. So uh -huh. when I listen to just the, the engineering on this, I'm blown away. Uh -huh. I'm blown away just by the engineering. But then I, I became much more exploratory in this album. The first one is within a certain, I don't, it's not safe but it's within a certain set of concentric circles of musical presentation. Uh -huh. This one, I, there's no, I just go wherever I want. I don't care. I just go wherever <laughs> I want. <laughs> Either, I just, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. I completely interrupt. I have this one ballad on there <laughs> that I completely interrupt with. You remember, you remember the, hello, my baby. Hello. My, you remember that frog from the, I interrupt okay. it with the whole soft shoe bit that has no business being it's absolutely ridiculous i'm singing i've got this wonderful soprano up in the stratosphere behind me we're crooning this this famous ballad and then the break is this ridiculous freaking soft shoe that you're, you're sitting there going did this guy really and then at the end the car the, the, the 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 curtain comes down and we're right back to the ballad as if nothing ever happened i can't tell you why i did that but it's just what happens <laughs> I have no idea, but I love it. <laughs> just was the right thing to do at the time, obviously. <laughs> like I told you, I just do things. <laughs> like, like Heath Ledger's Joker said, I wouldn't know what to do with the car if I caught it. <laughs> I just chase them. <laughs> oh, my. And I, and I think about you being a professor, and I think you must be an amazing teacher that people just get, yeah. You know what's funny about that? I got to tell you this. 
<laughs> the first day, today is Wednesday. The first day of school for this semester was Monday. Uh-huh. I freaking totally spaced and forgot it was the first day of class. So oh. I had to like, re- yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, I've been there. For, I, re- I recover better than anybody. Uh-huh. But again, I'm in my own little world. So it's like, oh, yeah, school. That funny thing. But you know what that, I am so real and so approachable yeah. as a human where students actually give a hoot about what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Because I would be, I have to be honest because I'm an omnivorous reader of like so many different topics, I'm a little hard to approach when it comes to like trying to have a conversation about stuff because I'm always up in the clouds. I don't mean <laughs> to be, you know, I don't mean to be remote, <laughs> but I've had people come ask me simple questions and 30 minutes later, they're hyperventilating, their eyes are glazed, you know, when I do them. So, it's good that I'm like this wrong way Feldman who's like, I'm wearing two left shoes all the time. It makes me more approachable. And I, uh-huh. and I really am that guy. Uh-huh. If, it, if I weren't, I wouldn't have forgotten the school started Monday. You know what I mean? Um, but, and, and the other thing about it is, I've lived long enough to learn what I'm about, what I'm trying to figure out is so important that all this other stuff is just uh, window dressing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that, I, that it's secondary. I mean, it, it, everything falls into place. Mm-hmm. One of my friends once told me that if one learns to relax, everything always works itself out at all times. That doesn't mean that you're going to go to the doctor and they tell you that you have cancer and you're going to go back next week like, oops, mistake, we're looking at the wrong. <laughs> we're looking at... No, it means you got it and that in that path is going to work itself out mm-hmm. you just have to surrender to the will of the universe uh-huh. what are you going to do fight it i mean mm-hmm. i study that too i also study witchcraft you know so it's like that's how you would fight it but you give up your own karma to do that and you mm-hmm. end up possibly in worse places by doing that mm-hmm. whatever it doesn't need to be passive it, it you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them man mm-hmm. you just you have to there's something about humility in this existence that's the best teacher if something rolls up to you and it says, this is it, that's it. I mean, I've seen people come to the end of life and I've seen some people that didn't want to get there. And I've seen my mom is this type of person who's like, I mean, she, she said one time when we had a little scare, so years ago, she goes, well, you know, maybe I was being called to the other side. And when you're mm-hmm. called to that side, you can't send any substitutes. Mm-hmm. She looked me in the eye and said that. Mm-hmm. She's like, and she basically has let it be known, look, I mean, I, I lost my husband 40 years ago. I'm a little world weary. I mean, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm here, but I'm, I'm not really so sold in this place. I got to stay forever. Yeah. We all have that. I have that mindset. My mom has that mindset. Uh-huh. I'm, you know, so, 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 yeah, it, you have to learn humility. And it's like when you lose a loved one, I was never the type, why did they die? What do you mean? Here's the reason. Because they were born. Ta-da. Yeah. Anything yeah. that's created has to end. Exactly. Period. And yeah. you can't know when that's going to happen or <laughs> wouldn't be the existential experience it is. It's just how it goes. Yeah. And so I'm no different than the plants I'm looking at in my yard or the birds uh-huh. sitting on them. I'm going to uh-huh. have to end at some point. And uh-huh. if and when that doctor tells me, oh, Mr. Minchin, I'd be like, well, I've had a damn good life. Looks like I got to, you know, I'm so glad we had this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's time to take off, baby. It was only my fault if I wasted time and and, and, and procrastinated and didn't do things I could have done. It's gonna always hit you when you don't want it to hit. Uh-huh. Whatever. Well, actually, actually, if I study enough Buddhism, maybe not. It's like, it seems like they pick the time to leave here. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can do that. But I'm running out of time. <laughs> I'm fifty I'm fifty five, you know. So I gotta get that pretty soon. But go ahead. <laughs> It's funny when, when you were talking about that time thing, that, that leaving, it was this past weekend, a dear friend, um, they did the celebration of life for her mom. Okay. And, yeah. and the first song they played after the sort of talking was On the Road Again. <laughs> <laughs> you dig? That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I go in for the whole reincarnation thing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, on the road again, man. And and <laughs> the thing is to try to be conscious as long as you can or pay attention to stuff. If you, our minds are like cameras, so we're taking snapshots of everything now. Mm-hmm. When you come back, that collection of snaps, you should be going, 
man, I've seen this. And if you were really attentive, oh, wow, that's why I've seen. And that's kind of <laughs> happening to me in this life. I'm like, ah. uh, you know what I'm, I mean? I've, I've been pretty fortunate to have some pretty uh, uh, adept Hindu cats come talk to me and point out some things that sounded preposterous at first. Like one guy goes, Derek, you know you're going to be a vegetarian. He tells me this like eight years ago. I'm like, I'm not going to be a vegetarian. I love my steak. I'm a freaking vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let's just pull the, you know, here's the punchline. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> and he goes, you're going to travel the world and lecture on this vedanta. That was what it's called. And I was like, and I haven't, well, I've kind of traveled and talked about it. So I, you know, I don't know. I, who, like, it's like, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. And of uh-huh. course, one of the answers that's equally as beautiful is there isn't anything going on. It's just what you see, dude. It's just, you know, don't worry. It, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just happening. Uh-huh. So when you put, so here's what's interesting. When you put those two together, you end up having the God of some of these religions. He's like almost not there. He's there, but he's so nihilistic. He's made of threads of nihilism. <laughs> that's how he's woven together. He's not the guy you, you know, like if you were to ask him, why did you cause the tidal waves? Like, I didn't, dude. I made nature. It happens. What the hell are you talking about? I'm watching, I'm watching Alan Moore documentary. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> cause tidal. No, but I think, I think that what's hidden in those writs is it's been about the reader the whole time. But they just couldn't tell you that from the beginning because you would have never done any of the work. So, they give you the. <laughs> They give you these stories about Adam and Eve, and they give you these stories about Manu and Prajapati and all these people. And you, ooh, you get into the, like, I got, I went in for all the myths. Like, I really bought them, lock, stock, and barrel. And then I'm old enough to where I'm like, wait a minute, this story sounds like, what? And I'm like, oh, wow, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, dude, but we couldn't tell you that at the beginning because you would have never read all this crap. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the Hindus have this interesting thing of saying, you can do all the prayers you want. That's great. You need to do them fervently. But when you find out that you've essentially been praying to yourself, it's up to you to wear the, you can wear the bracelets. You can keep saying the prayers or not. And let me ask you, you like praying to yourself? Keep it up. But you ain't got to. We're only showing you the roadmap to yourself. Uh-huh. You know? But if you tell somebody that from the giddy up, they're going to sit there and be like, ooh, I'm God. And then screw up everything. You know? <laughs> there's no, and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no travel. I, I had an interesting conversation with a clergyman a few weeks ago, and it was horribly disastrous because uh, this is a clergyman. No, but anyway, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sort of told him about this, and of course he disagreed with everything. And I was like, "Well, it's fine that you disagree. Everyone's going to get the answer. It just doesn't happen at the same time, right? Uh-huh. It's you know, it's not your dis- it's not your dispensation to get this." But uh, I didn't say that to him. That's where I was kind of headed with it. But even that is a perspective. I don't know that I'm right. It just pretty much feels like it, you know? Uh uh Who knows? Very cool. Very cool. So you you just, you are who you are. And that's always changing. It's not like it's a stagnant. But but you are this very genuine, genuine person. And what you are is, you know, what people get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, of course, you have to like. I found. And we had a little technical issue again, and we'll be back. Well, I think we just have to say there's something going on here, Derek. <laughs> yeah, just, so someone, someone is, someone is like vetoing everything I'm saying. Like, yeah, Derek, I heard what you said about reincarnation. That's a negative. You're not God, and I don't know where the hell else you're going. We're just gonna knock that off. <laughs> so let me change my tune. Jesus is the way. <laughs> Notice how we didn't get cut off then. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I have learned to hold back part of myself because I'm so intense that <laughs> when I'm sitting with my colleagues, I sometimes see them like <laughs> gasping for breath and like closing their eyes like they're being burned by fire. I'm like, I don't mean to be that way. I'm just, if I'm, if I'm trying to figure something out, I figure, why, why can't I get the next person in to help me out? This is a huge 
formula I'm trying to get. Let me bring you in. You know what yeah. I mean? Some people like that. And some people are just like yeah. blown away by it. So yeah. I've learned what I actually have learned is find the people who are like me and spend most of my time with them uh-huh. and get fed by them. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I get back to the people who can't handle it, it's like, hi, how you doing? How are you doing? Yeah. Great. Bye. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Cause I don't really want to have pointless inane conversation. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm not getting anything from that. Right. So, so yeah, but you're right. I, I just am who I am. Yeah. Right. And I think everyone, sh- I think everyone should be open and observant as I have been to customs and expectations and then make an informed decision whether you want to be iconoclastic or whether you want to fit in. Don't just mm-hmm. fit in because you haven't figured out how this works. Mm-hmm. Try to figure it out and then make a conscious decision. Do I want to be a part of the status quo or can I be on the outside? Can I survive? Is it sustainable being outside of the status quo? Like a Nietzsche who didn't intend to do that. He was, he got some problems, right? But all of those, Wittgenstein, all of these guys, the, the people who follow Jesus, that guy is an outsider. So, and you know, I don't think he actually weighed it out. I, I don't think he actually said, let me see if I want to do actually his story is that he didn't because it didn't work out so well. You know, mm-hmm. well, he's God, he reigns supreme. I'm like, yeah, but I'm stuck on the fact that they killed him on the cross. That kind of doesn't make me too happy. I like, I wouldn't <laughs> want to change positions. <laughs> I mean, he did that allegedly after they put those nails through him. I'm like, that's that's not so cool to me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, so what I'm getting is if everyone were more observant and having that sort of internal dialogue, I think the world would be an easier, better place to live in. Don't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that brings back to me that, that, part of where we would be is we would treat people with the love and respect and we wouldn't say this person is worse because of this reason or blah, 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 you know, right. That's, that's what I come back to. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. If we were again, back to the humility thing, we're not the most important thing in the universe. None of us are right. And if we all emptied ourselves of that, thought that we were everyone would have an equal place of importance and it would be a beautiful thing right yeah yeah and so that's what i guess i'm saying to you i have to sort of make that my reality as i walk into the world because it's not when i step out of these four walls it's not right Right. but i I, you know as you said i i guess i'm just echoing and amening your love is the answer that's buddhism too i guess i sound like such a uh, hackneyed cliched answer but it really is true it really is true, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only, I mean, well, what do you get if you put hatred in the world? Clogged arteries, mm-hmm. premature aging, and an early trip to the graveyard. Yeah. If you put love out there, at least you feel better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's, you know, whether, whether those who believe the universe exists because of love, I don't know about that, but I know about the way we can get along with animals and the planet and each other, mm-hmm. yeah, love is the answer. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's part of my growth because me saying that, the old me would laugh at me saying that. That mm-hmm. I would never say anything like that, but I, I think that, what else are you going to do? What, what other choice is going to work? I'm going to, I'm going to get on in life with eight. That sounds great. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> How is that going to, I'm going to get ahead through jealousy and envy. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. groovy. That's not going to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, before the the technology demons or goddesses, you know what I'm saying? Hit us again. I want to. I want to say. You know, the music. That's one of your ways, right? That's one of your ways. Yes. Yourself out into this. Yes. This world, being you, and and that is a very loving gesture. And hmm. and my uh, desire is also to remind listeners that you know enjoying this this podcast and then taking it the next step of buying the music is hmm. a really really good thing that that hmm. to me it's very important that when we have the financial ability that we're really strategic in how we spend it that we hmm. do support art that we do support local businesses that we 
you know, who we really are, what we really yeah. value shows up in how we spend our time and money. And so sure. to me, it's like, that's, that's an important thing. I think people yes. have gotten kind of spoiled about, well, I can find it online. It's like, yeah, not <laughs> all of it. Although there is a delightful piece that, that uh, the making of Griot that I just, I mm. didn't watch that on YouTube. Oh, thank you. That was thank you. lovely. And, and that makes oh. me like, I, yeah, I want this music. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely, I got a single that I just released a few, about three weeks ago on Amazon. It's all, uh -huh. all the platforms. Uh -huh. Or you can go to my Patreon, which is uh -huh. Blue Clock Records, B-L-U-C-L-O-K Records. Blue Clock Records on my Patreon page. And from there, I get you my address if anyone wants a, a, a physical disc of my first album or when my second one comes out, I will be releasing a limited number of CDs for the incredible and the rest will all be downloading uh -huh. uh, on many, on many uh, platforms. One of them will be Amazon. Yeah. And so that's how I'm gotten that. And your name is your website, right? Your main website yeah. is? D-E-R-E-K-M-E-N-C-H-A-N, DerekMention.com. Yeah. It's weird, though. In this post-modern world, we're moving away somewhat from web. It's like all about social media, right? So Facebook yeah. is, I think, Derek mentioned. My Instagram is Derek mentioned. I'm, okay. I don't try to confuse stuff too much. But my record label is Blue Clock Records, B-L-U-C-L-O-K. Right. And you can find me that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask one more question because please, of the, the introduction. So what do you think about dogs? <laughs> <laughs> so I, <laughs> there's a segue, right? <laughs> I love dogs, man. And um, I, um, uh, when I, when, uh, when I was married, I, um, my wife was a Muslim, so she couldn't have dogs or uh -huh. that's how they thought. So uh -huh. I got her a cat. Uh -huh. So, so we're no longer together. So I've got this cat. I'm like, oh my God, I would have rather have had a dog. But let me tell you, I, 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 I like, like Walt Whitman, I, I used to take a lot of nature walks and uh -huh. I go around different parts of the neighborhood and there would be dogs that didn't know me that would come growling and I would actually get down on all fours and growl back. And I'd like, oh my God. And so they're like, let's leave this crazy guy alone because we know we're dogs, but he shouldn't think you. So I actually made friends with dogs that come and uh -huh. I, I, I love dogs and they can feel the love for me. Uh -huh. I'll never forget, I had a, a, a dog, a dog friend who uh -huh. lived around the corner from where I am now. And I'd go visit my aunt when she was living. And on the way home, this dog would come up to me and he'd just jump up and give me a hug. Uh -huh. And so one night he, he figured out where I live and he came to my gate just to say hi. He came oh, to my sweet. gate and I was like, who are you? And I was like, oh. And as I went up to him, he knew his ears flattened. It was the most beautiful. And as soon as I hugged him, he was like, he, he went on home. Aww. That's the most beautiful thing. So uh -huh. I love dogs. I love all right. dogs. Very good. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. passed all the tests, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so much fun and I want to leave our listeners with that idea but I want more I want more but it's like all right well that's a good place to end that <laughs> thank you so Thanks thank you Derek Manchin this is delightful yeah. I'm and very eager to hear more of your music than just the bits that I got from that making um piece on YouTube making the Grio. and so we will we will be in touch this is Beautiful. very good. And listeners, I, I, I just can't imagine that you enjoy this anywhere near as much as we did, but I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is All our right. hope. <laughs> All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. So long. Bye.